you have your Bibles, be finding Matthew chapter 28. We'll take a look at what I hope is a familiar passage to you. But Matthew 28 and verse 18, this is after the resurrection that Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, Matthew 28, verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Notice the therefore. Uh, On the basis of his absolute authority, uh, he now commands his disciples and instructs them to take certain actions to go a certain direction. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. If, If the command to make disciples is the primary point of the passage, and his absolute authority is the basis of it. And the command of making disciples is broken down into two basic parts, baptizing and teaching. The whole thing rests, however, on that last promise. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, do not try this alone. You're going to need my provision. You're going to need my direction, my wisdom. You're going to need my favor. You're going to need my uh, strength, my encouragements. There is no area of my life that you're not, of your life, that you're not going to need me to be active in if you are to use this as your pattern, as a vision that you're going to follow. And so uh, it's, it's this I would like for us to look at this morning. This commission is given to us uh, in one form or another at the end of each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, each one of them have some form of the commission to go into all the world and take the Gospel to all the world. And it starts in Acts 1. The commission is repeated in Acts chapter 1. And all of these are post-resurrection appearances. So that Jesus' primary message to his disciples after his resurrection is, go and tell everyone and disciple and disciple. Train them, baptize them at the beginning and teaching is the continuing work of the Great Commission. And this commission is absolutely crucial for the identity and understanding of the church and why we are here. It's our purpose in the world. I came across a book uh, some months ago, uh, Tom Rainer is the author. Uh, Tom Rainer is kind of a well-known church growth guru type uh, Dr. Collins probably knows him personally. Um, But 
uh, he has, the, the title of his book is uh, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Uh, you know what an autopsy is? That's when you take a look at the corpse and see what, what, why it died. And he's done a study of churches to try to understand why churches die. You may not know that churches die, but they do. In fact, the typical, the normal church lasts about 40 years. Uh, and about 3,000 churches close each year across the United States. Now that's offset by about 2,500, 2,800 new church plants each year. But last year in our denomination, uh, over 20% baptized no one. That's thousands of churches. That's about 8,000 churches. They did not reach one single person with the gospel. The idea of going, baptizing, teaching, I mean, that's, that's an, an incredible statistic. And this means that... Uh, that if you don't reach anyone, you through uh, people die in a congregation. They move away. They divorce and drop out. They get mad at the preacher. <laughs> Can you imagine? And there's all kinds of reasons, but people leave the church. Their job, they get transferred. It's about a 15% per, per year attrition rate. So churches have... Uh, shelf life. You have to grow 15% just to stay even. So the, the, the issue then is churches ultimately fold. And I'm on this uh, committee in our denomination here in the Association of Churches in Genesee County which takes churches that have decided to close and we decide what to do with the buildings and grounds. It's kind of a weird thing because I feel like I'm on a death panel. You've decided to die, and we're here to help you. <laughs> Isn't there like a Dr. Kevorkian or something that did that to people? Uh, euthanasia department of churches, I guess. Uh, and we've, we've had several here in the last uh, few years that are just in our denomination. So I look at these things and I read these books and I have these experiences and my antenna is up as to why churches, some churches die and some churches grow. All of the churches that we have dealt with on this committee have all been churches surrounded by people who do not attend church. Uh, the, the last church, last month, we had this large church that closed, and in the community in which they existed, over 90% went nowhere to church. So why do churches die? Why some die, why some grow? It's really the point of my uh, 
message this morning. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18 that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But that doesn't mean every individual church, every congregation. In fact, he said in Revelation 2 that if you don't return to your first love, he said, I will remove your candlestick. So there are certain components, though, of a church, certain characteristics of a church that grows, and there are some things that makes their demise predictable. What I want to give you this morning are the things that are characteristic of a growing church. Now, these are not exhaustive volumes that are written on all this, but I just want to share with you from the standpoint of a pastor... Uh, what, what are the characteristics, what are the common denominators of growing churches? And I think it comes back to the Great Commission. Let me give you these common denominators that I have observed of growing churches. One is, churches that grow have faith in God. That is to say, they do not look at their location and say, this is a bad location. They do not look at their finances and say, we don't have enough money. They don't look at any external limitation and lock themselves into it. Why? Because there is a God in heaven who answers prayer, intervenes, and has commanded His church to grow and has said, I will be with you till the end of the age. I'm not going to be inactive. So a church must always factor in the miraculous. Churches were never meant to live without miracles. But what we do is we turn the church, which which has been born in a miracle, the resurrection, and thrives on miracles, answered prayer, and we turn it into a business world, just like the businesses is that if it, the, if it doesn't follow the business model. In Matthew 19, verse 26, the disciples talked about this rich man that left Jesus, and they were amazed when Jesus actually turned him away, and they said, who can be saved? And Jesus made this statement, Matthew nineteen twenty-six. Jesus looked at them and said, with man... This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's where you begin with church growth. Forget the limitations, forget the mountain in front of you, forget the issues ahead, and just start with God and faith in God. And churches that grow always start with the God who can do the impossible. That's where we begin. We were born in that. That is the air we breathe. So, in Ezekiel 37, there is a picture of the prophet Ezekiel who is led out to a graveyard, a kind of graveyard. It's actually all the bones are laying on top of the ground and they're scattered around and they're very dry. In other words, they've been dead a long time. They've been picked through by the predators and the vultures and the sun has dried them and all you can see is the bleached white bones on top of the ground of the desert area. 
And God takes Ezekiel and he says, look at these bones and Ezekiel, tell me something. God says to the prophet, he says, do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel hesitates and he says, God, only you know that. That is your decision. And then God says, now I want you to prophesy over the bones. And he says, he, he proclaimed God's word to those bones. The bones came together, flesh and sinew, then covered them. The blood began to flow through them. They all stood up. And Ezekiel 37.10 says that when God got done, they came together like an exceeding great army. Now that's the result of God's people who had no hope whatsoever. And God took them and made an exceeding great army. And that's what what Satan sees is the awesome potential of every congregation. That's why he hates churches. It's an army. As long as there is a God in heaven... As long as there is a possibility of an answered prayer, then we should believe Him, throw ourselves on His promises, cast fresh vision, and go into the future with the shield of faith high and the sword of the Spirit in our right hand. Churches that grow begin with faith in God. Here's the second thing. Churches that grow focus on those who are outside the church. They're outside the church. It's a common denominator of churches that survive from one generation to the next. Do not base their ministry to those who are on the inside. In other words, their preferences, our desires, our traditions... It's not what we enjoy, it's what reaches those not here. That, that I think, is key. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, uh, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why are you always eating with sinners? What's the focus on sinners? You're always spending time with the sinners. And Jesus told them the parable of the sheep in Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. He said, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, would you not leave the 99 uh, safe? In other words, they're cared for, they're secured, but you would go and you would spend your time, and he says, looking for the one that is lost until he finds it. There's the focus. The one that is lost. Not the 99 that are saved. And what churches do many times is they go and find a pastor who will primarily be a caregiver. He's a chaplain. They want him to serve them. And they want the church to serve them. Their preferences in music and in tradition and in ritual and in, and in worship, what, whatever it is, it's about me. And what Jesus said is, if you want to kill your church, make it about you. If you want to follow the Great Commission, you must focus on the 90, not the 99, but the one who is out. And that is a mark of a growing church.
Here's a third mark of a growing church. Churches that grow have a team approach and are not based on a single individual. Churches that grow have a team approach. And I was thinking about this this morning and, and uh, what we do on Sunday morning and I was thinking about the, the music. That's the first that's obvious. What if I led the music and did the preaching? How would that go over? And the youth, Kevin announcing a youth class today, and some of you work with our youth. Children's class. Uh, We have people teaching the children right now. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Nursery. We have people in the nursery. I can't do that. (laughs) I guess I could, but... Bulletins. Clean up. Somebody cleans up every week. I don't even know for sure who it is from week to week. There are so many people... Actually, I have a small part in the whole. And... No church grows without a team of people banded together around the Great Commission. Committed to Christ and to each other. The pastor is key, but there is no long-term stable growth that does not happen without a team. Ezekiel 17, uh, in verse 11, Moses was praying. He was holding up his hand. This was the Jewish stance for prayer lifting holy hands to the Lord. And he was praying for Joshua, who's fighting Amalek down in the valley. And it says, as long as Moses' hands were held up, that Joshua prevailed. But when Moses got tired and his hands fell down, then Joshua, then Amalek prevailed against Joshua. And Aaron and Hur, two men, came alongside him. And first of all, they did two things. They got him a rock to sit on, gave him some rest, and then they held up his hands. The support group. The, t- the pastor is a catalyst. His leadership is crucial, but you, there is no progress and no victory without those people who make up the whole body, the team. Number four, churches that grow are churches that focus on the future rather than the past. I was in a, a church like this uh, some time ago, and when I when I walked in, I was just visiting, and and uh, the lady who greeted me was about seventy five years old, which is fine in itself. I thought it was unusual, and she began to tell me about the church. Everything she told me happened twenty five years ago. Everything she described and her face lit up with things that happened a generation ago. And the church is dwindling. 
That a sign of a church, a growing church that has a future, is a church that focuses not on good times in the past, but the future that is not yet here. I would rather be a part of a small church that has a vision than a large one that only has a memory. Because it will be exciting to be part of that smaller church. Churches that grow are churches that focus on the future and not just the past. And then number five, churches that grow are churches that are intentional in outreach, not accidental. They are intentional, they are deliberate, they are purposeful, and their efforts are premeditated, prayerfully thought through and said, put this on the calendar, put this this date down. They make decisions to, to do it ahead of time. They do not drift into growth. They are not passive, but they are proactive. Some time ago, a church called us and said they were going to give up their building. About a, probably a $600,000, $800,000 building. And there was a point in time where just a few years ago, they had probably $75,000 in the bank. The auditorium would seat about three hundred and fifty. They had just called a new pastor. And, and now they have decided to close because it has dwindled down to just a handful. They can't keep paying the maintenance. They still have $20,000 in the bank. And they've donated the buildings and grounds to our denomination and said, do what you want to with it. We're closed. I know this church because it's in an area where less than 10% of the people go to church. A lady visited there some years ago from the neighborhood. She just went to, to wanted to go to church. It was close. She decided to attend. Not, she wasn't raised in church, so she didn't know how to dress. Her skirt was a little short. And one of the ushers walked up to her and said, Ma'am, you can't come here like that. You have to go home and change. Now, I personally think it's a good thing if you can, you know, ladies, wear your dress long enough so that it's not distracting. But would Jesus say, go home and change and then come back? Or would he see that as a symptom more than a problem? Here's what he said in Mark, two, Mark chapter 2, verse 17. When, when they said, why are you eating with sinners? He said, the whole, the well, they don't need a physician. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It is the sick who need the doctor. That's what Jesus said. You're, we can't tell the sick, first go get well and then you can come to the doctor. You don't need us then. We're, we're here for the sinner. Who else in the earth is here for the sinner? 
And if the church doesn't do it, it won't be done. There's one passage, when I was thinking about this, it, it actually kind of scared me a little bit. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet, and again, they're in the exile in, in Babylon, and the uh, shepherds have not been gathering the sheep. That is, the, he, he uses the spiritual shepherds. And he says in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 6, My sheep were scattered, wandered all over the mountains and every high hill. They were scattered over the face of the earth, and none searched for them or sought for them. None were seeking. They weren't, nobody was after them. So he says, Therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Because my sheep have become a prey or vulnerable to these predators, he says. And no, no shepherds have searched for my sheep, but fed themselves and not the sheep. Therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand. Ezekiel 34 verse 10. And I will put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. Why does churches close? Well, one of the reasons is, like in Ezekiel, if we don't search for the sheep, that's what shepherds are supposed to do. And God said, I will put a stop to your feeding the sheep. He closes the doors, he closes the opportunities, and closes the ministries. And and it kind of scared me a little. But I want to tell you, we, um, at, over at Bristol Road this morning, I shared with them that we're going to, in two weeks over at Bristol Road, we're going to have a meal over there and invite everybody we can to come. We're, we're focused on the congregation there to see that it's built up, gains momentum going into the fall. And, um, and then over here at Linden Road, we're, we met with an architect Friday night. We're planning, we're going ahead. We're intentional, not accidental, about having a children's wing, a, an educational wing attached to this building. So he's going to draw us up what we need to do. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know that. But you begin with faith in God. Amen? Faith in God. Then you write your check. <laughs> But I, I don't know. We don't have rich people. And then also I wanted to report to you, uh, we commissioned a new congregation in Grand Blank. We sent from the Bristol Road congregation, uh, uh, Dan, who was part of our music team over there, he's now their worship leader, and they had, for their first Sunday, last Sunday, they had over 90 people gathering in Grand Blank in that in that area to reach those people. And a lot of them were from Grand Blank. So God is working, and we don't want to be dragging behind. We don't want to be passive. We want to be intentional. So you take those five things, and let's fulfill a great commission. Let's participate in the ongoing work of God. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Baptize And then teach, disciple them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are 
living in an area here where probably less than 20% go to church. I think that the harvest is ripe. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you today for opportunities that abound. Thank you for letting us be invested in a, a cause, a purpose, a work that is eternal, not just temporary. And we pray that you will make this church a prayerful, spiritual, Christ-minded, fervent, uh, great commission-consumed church that cares about you and others outside its walls. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.